guys. So today's episode of Bish Please is about therapy. So if you've ever felt like you couldn't catch your breath, this episode's for you. If you've ever been spoken to while looking somebody directly in their eyes but not heard a single word they said, (laughs) this episode is definitely for you. If you've ever realized that you forgot to eat something, this episode's for you. If you've ever cried hysterically but can't explain why, this episode's definitely for you. And if you're a person between the ages of 20 and 60 that breathes air, this episode's definitely for you. <laughs> we don't know you out there, but we already know you need therapy. Yep. And it's it's not you. It's them. No. It's, <laughs> it's us. It's them. It's you. It, it is you. It's, it's you. all of us. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. <clears throat> no. So, I mean, that that's it, right? Yeah. I Go- think it all stems from, like, childbirth and who you are as a kid and what your childhood is like yeah like just breathing air that first time is like <laughs> you come out now like, Where's my therapist? i need to go to where's this couch where's this couch um no but i'm such i mean you probably know this about me but when i meet somebody or just when i'm trying to analyze somebody why they did something for me it always comes back to ch- to childhood i'm like hmm, i wonder what their childhood was like wonder i don't know it just you know, how were they raised, what they experienced, all, all that, all of that. That's what I think about people. Yeah. Like, what did your parents do to you to make you the way that you are? <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, I got to, of course, give it this an actual psychology spin, but I'm I'm big into Maslow and, and I really think, you know, that the first is those physiological needs. Like, mm-hmm. did were you fed and ate? And we won't get into being anal retentive and having oral fixations that's a whole no we covered anal and oral last episode so <laughs> yeah we won't get into the psych of it you know what you need to know now um but the next thing is safety mm-hmm. um you know and then it goes to love and belonging and and so on but it's so i had a great childhood i loved childhood i had a great childhood i had loving parents family cousins big loving family and i always felt safe you have a good baseline that is a good baseline yeah um so we both had, you know, a safe great childhood. Uh, yeah, a safe, yeah childhood safe childhood in that regard. And I think that that needs to be said. I mean, honestly, we can't speak from a point of view that, that lacked that. But if if you're somebody that has been any of the ways abused, especially as a child, you definitely need therapy. You definitely do. So this is still for you. But but there but these other things they they come after. You right. definitely need therapy. Don't definitely don't do. downplay your your traumas and your bullshit. But right. Beside that, I had a great childhood. I love childhood. Um, Sometimes I wonder if people didn't. I had a great childhood. I think that there are certain aspects that when I one day have children, I'm going to do differently. Like, I don't remember ever being asked as a kid, like, how are you feeling? Or how does that make you feel? Or being able to express real anger because my anger would make my parents angry. So now we're all angry. Like... But they're my parents, so right. I can't be angry. Because <laughs> they're, yes, the dictator. <laughs> right. They get the respect. Right. No, I mean, okay, so I had a great childhood, but I can completely agree with you on that. And my father's very temperamental. Yeah. So it was always, you know, kind of, if anything, diffusing him. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't get angry or be too emotional because that that only increases his anger or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So I definitely, definitely can agree with that. 
And from that, I think I've become a better parent. I think as you're being, you know, you think as a little girl, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to let my kids eat ice cream whenever they want. (laughs) Those things, obviously, you're not going to do. But things like I'm going to sit down and have a mature conversation with my child, Mm -hmm. even if they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I'm going to respect my child. Those matter. Respect matters. Children need to feel respected. And that actually does come back into Maslow's hierarchy is children need to also have Mm self-esteem and confidence and respect too and when you continually and constantly belittle them no pun intended because they are little um they start to feel you know they can't talk about their emotions right um so i'm a yeller i can't even lie i yell at my (laughs) child i do i mean i was yelled at as a i think i'm very uh well-rounded i'm very respectful and well-mannered and i think part of the way i was raised did do that for me but there's a part of me that yells too because like I'm also a nonsense kind of person like I'm very calm and and nice and patient but then well you say it once and then I think well no I I mean well it's about nine (laughs) we we average about nine times till I really lose my shit but um you know even if you know I then do I feel bad afterward and I always make a point to um and I'm not like screaming yelling but I definitely will uh get a little snarky but I then will sit my you know my kids down maybe Mm -hmm. not right away but pretty soon do you understand why I said it that way Mm -hmm. do you understand you know I said it nine times now (laughs) and I don't want to be like that and how do you feel and I do I try to do that and nobody like you said nobody ever did that for me Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like saying sorry and it goes both ways sorry parent to child child to parent like it goes both ways it does it does um and I guess it's a fine line in parenting like you you could always say sorry but you know you're trying to maintain the authority and and the respect so Mm -hmm. it is it gets tough you know at what point do I admit I was wrong and what point (laughs) do I just wing it and never let you know that I was wrong (laughs) don't you realize though too as an adult and maybe it's different for you as a parent though but our parents were completely winging it they didn't know what they were not that they didn't know what they were doing but me at 32 now and I'm sure my parents at 32 like being an adult now I'm winging it oh for sure absolutely I think I'm like okay I'm 33 and I have two kids and it's funny because my mom was 21 like I was when she had her first child Mm -hmm. and then about five six years later to so my mom and I are very much the same ages in Mm -hmm. relation to the ages of our children and you know so I'm thinking okay so 33 uh my mom would have been I would have been six seven I have one of those and I'm like I totally thought my parents had it together totally thought they had it together (laughs) and now I watch myself you know just winging it and I'm like they did not have it freaking together. They, they didn't. didn't have it together. I don't have no. it. I mean, I have it together, but I don't. And they did too, but they didn't. Like, you're just going with the freaking flow. Yeah, realizing like, that One day at a time. Realizing that your parents are humans, just like yeah. you, and they're not necessarily the superheroes that you thought that they were. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and then I, you know, it makes me love and respect my mom even more because mm-hmm. for, yes, yeah, some of the dysfunction there may have been, it's like, wow, you were, A, you never went to therapy. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were really navigating and dealing with so many things that I never would have known. So she right. did a great job at never letting me see adult bullshit right maybe and that's why maybe I had such a great childhood I had no idea of you know the struggles maybe 
adults really faced. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, man, you were trying to figure out how to afford Christmas, Mm -hmm. maintain a marriage and go to work Mm -hmm. and, you know, all and then just the unexpected. So, yeah, they were winging it. There's that saying that's like, as a kid, you wondered why adults were always in such a bad mood. And then you became an adult and you're like, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense. I get it now. I get it now. No. So, yeah, great childhood. We... Our, when to th- we're going to therapy, we mm-hmm. go to therapy. Um, our parents never did think, what do we say? We go to therapy, why? Because of to deal with the people, the people in our lives who do not go to therapy. Who do not go to therapy. Yeah. And yeah. desperately need to. But I think for our parents, they're part of that boomer generation where it was not a thing. You did not go to therapy. You did not go sit on a stranger's couch and unload. That was not... No, that was weak. That mm-hmm. was, you know, yes, it's a professional that technically cannot disclose it, but airing your dirty laundry, mm-hmm. you know, you don't let people in, you mm-hmm. you handle your own. Um, you kind of fake the funk, right? Yeah. You have, I imagine, what's a mental breakdown but right. in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> There's that stigma of that woman's crazy yeah. because she goes to therapy or Yeah, whatever. and I, I think that the boomer generation, too, and it maybe looked classier, but is a lot of... Um, alcoholics uh mm-hmm. i mean my grandmother classiest woman you ever meet but mm-hmm. she totally drank like gin and water yeah a lot of addiction like, yeah but they they literally just mix straight liquors with water <laughs> like i could never i would die i mean and, that sounds and, and terrible she would, you know that was happy hour it, it, but so i think yeah you didn't go to therapy you had cocktails i'm all with a nightcap right. but good god i don't know that uh some Seagram's gin is the way I need to. I don't want that to be my my outlet to no. cope. My cope. I don't want that to be my cope. No, I'm a more herbal outlet kind of person <laughs> anyway. But no, I don't need a gin on the rocks at 5 p.m. every day. That That's not conducive for me. So, yeah, our grandparents didn't go to therapy. Our parents didn't go to therapy. Not bad people. Great people. Mm-hmm. Strong, hard workers. Right. But, um, you know, then it came down to us. And we were saying, I think... There was a time where I first felt like I needed to go to therapy, and that wasn't necessarily the time that I actually went. Mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, was in that notion, like, oh, no, I, you know, I, I, need, I feel like I need something, but it can't be therapy, right? We, this family, <laughs> we're strong. We do not go to therapy. And then it was like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. So yeah. we went. We, we go. We go. And I mean, I I don't know how to better say it, but I chose to go because I literally felt crazy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I think when you start to actually feel crazy and you can't describe it in any other way, that's probably when you go to therapy. So I went. Yes. I feel like I should have gone as a kid. I experienced a loss of a friend when we were 14 and I struggled with that. Like, so much so that now looking back at it, it was complete anxiety to the point of where my parents would be going to bed and it would be bedtime. And I would say to my mom, can you leave your door open so I can, like, watch you and make sure that you're still okay? Like, that kind of stuff. So I, she probably should have put me in therapy at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's fine. No, I mean, that was just because I do know this person and, and that event. Um, That was very traumatic. Yeah. That was very very sad um I don't know that I think I had experienced death maybe one or two other times um a friend actually family member had 
they had three young people had lost their father. That was that was a tough yeah. death. I think maybe my grandmother had had recently passed at that point, but mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen. You're right. right. Uh, elderly and not the parent that had passed, but my grandmother, you know, she was older. She was mm-hmm. sick. That was supposed to happen when this friend passed. That was not the way life. That was unfair. Right. That was very hard to accept. That was tough. So I don't think I knew, actually, that you, I think we all struggled with it. Yeah, in our own in way, our own yeah. way. I mean, because that that's not supposed to happen. But I don't think I knew you struggled with it that badly. Mm-hmm. So what did that look like for you? I mean, I think it was the start of why I went to therapy as an adult. I dealt with it the best way that a fourteen year old could, and then fast forward ten to fifteen years later, experiencing like the biggest loss of my life, and crying every day for an entire year like every day I would cry and when I got to that 366 day I was (laughs) like okay I shouldn't be crying every day anymore I should probably get some help because I feel like you said I felt crazy no person should be crying every single day of their life that's how I felt and I was like I need to find a therapist yeah no I mean I agree with you because the crying is it's your body not knowing what else to do Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to manage or maintain this I I, you know it's seeping out physically out of my body this Mm -hmm. anxiety this depression and I don't know how to cope and so yeah 300 and it's like okay (laughs) I know we've hit the anniversary of one year Mm -hmm. it's the definition of insanity at that point like okay I've given this time I cannot manage this by myself I need to try something else to keep doing it that way is just insanity. Mm -hmm. So, right. I mean, and I think we've said this in the past that death is death is hard. I mean, for anybody, I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody death comes easy. I don't think anybody manages it that easily. But for me, for some reason, I, I some reason, I feel like I do manage it pretty well. I lost my mother. I that sucks that's horrible but for me I struggle in the relationships and the people that are still present that they could still have this presence in your life they're physically here yet they don't or they can't whether you set the boundary they set the boundary whatever so for me I started to just feel crazy and not even necessarily crying but just so consumed in thought just so consumed I just felt like it was all I I thought about so for me it was a relationship it was my husband but it just you know when you get to a point where you, your friends and they, your family they love you and you but then you're you know what can they do for you they're mm-hmm. listening and they're talking you know there's dialogue but they cannot help you and I was just literally saying the same things over it wasn't changing my situation but day in and day out I'd say this and this you know a broken record till finally was like I can't bog other people down I'm saying the same things nothing's changing um I need to go get help I need to stop feeling so consumed in this I felt very I mean I would I'm not an overly spiritual person but I would pray on my way to work for peace I would literally ask God for peace like please I just want peace of mind I do not want to feel this way anymore I do not want to feel consumed Mm -hmm. I was tired I was exhausted the type of tired that sleep doesn't fix Mm -hmm. my brain just just couldn't stop I was over analyzing and and all this and I said self (laughs) you're happy funny fun you're not though and I I missed me I, I, I felt like I missed me. I didn't know how to get back to me. Mm-hmm. 
and I had to take the step to begin, you know, finding the old me. Yeah. And I think for us, the fact that we're able to recognize that, like, it's okay to not be okay. Like, we recognize that. And we're able to pull ourselves up and be like, okay, I need to go get some help. I think that's huge. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, I I, I agree 100%. Um, or maybe they're skeptical. I think I was a little skeptical of what anxiety and depression were. I mean, I thought I was overly happy most of my life. And then I... I got to this point and you also have a certain expectation, you know, in a marriage, you expect it to be a certain way and, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't. But I think I d- was like, OK, people are anxious, anxious and depressed um, until I felt it, till I felt the weight in my chest, the mm-hmm. weight in my heart, on my shoulders, in my head. That's when I was like, oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. People are really struggling out there. Not everybody thinks they need therapy or is willing to go. There's other things you can try. But I certainly think you should try it before you knock it and then say it's not for you. But right. going to talk to that unbiased person, the ways you're feeling, they haven't heard it. Right. They've heard this a million times. They know. They probably know before you mm-hmm. express it to them. They know. Mm-hmm. Um that unbiased opinion is so real, too, because you start looking at things from a completely different perspective and you're like, oh, all right. Right. I mean, so I'm controlling just in general. Like, I'm very type A. I like things organized. I like them a certain way. You know, that can be, I guess, good and bad, depending mm-hmm. what it is. But when she started breaking down, you know, wanting control is out of fear. Yeah. Do you know? And I did. I wanted, I felt more controlling in my relationship because I I feared if I didn't have that control, it would get away from me. Well, truth be told, the relationship got away from me. It, it was nothing I could have controlled. Right. Anxiety, insert anxiety. Trying to control things that are not controllable. Control you know, the controllables. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I really struggled with your control but mm-hmm. I needed to go do that work I needed an unbiased professional mm-hmm. to tell me to reaffirm you know to confirm some of the things I knew right and you learn those tools and you learn those self-care aspects to continue on with your life and that's why I think therapy is so important because you carry those tools with you to a lot of other things like work like relationships all of that so I think self-care and learning the tools that you need are super important. What tools do you use? Like, what's your self-care? Well, it's funny because part of all the work for me, I felt like was, so I missed me. I wanted to get back to me. I wanted to be the happy person that I was. And a part of me constantly channeled that I wanted to kind of be back to childhood when I knew I was safe and happy and, you know, no worries. So for me, it was kind of, what tools was what did I enjoy in childhood what made it so easy and stress-free and I mean it was some of the activities that I like to do then I always played on a sports team so as an adult I joined sports teams loved Mm -hmm. it still my favorite decision that I ever made um I've always I love being artsy and crafty I began to really do that more even if it was just getting on the ground and coloring and coloring books with the kids or ordering canvases and actually painting them with acrylic paint. Um, I love to craft for all the, the holidays too, but just doing that, being present and truly enjoying it and sharing it with my children. Dancing, kickboxing, 
I just, anything that made me feel happy, I just did it. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter what it was. Whining, dining. Treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, seriously, I've taken so many bubble baths, lots of herbal activities. But no, I mean, those are the things that help me. Um, baking, cooking, cleaning, and organizing are my self-care. Yeah. That they, they make my life feel in, in order, and that just ultimately makes everything else kind of feel in order and that anxiety kind of go away. So I think our self-care and our tools are much different. So what kind of tools or self-care activities do you do? So my anxiety had gotten really bad at one point. I remember I was driving to work and couldn't catch my breath, like complete anxiety attack, had to pull over. And I remember explaining to my therapist and he had said, do you know what tapping is? And I was like, no, what's that? And it's something, if you guys look it up, it's something that's super helpful for me for my anxiety, super simple. Um, I started lifting and to start to be a power lifter as a woman was amazing to me, totally shutting my brain off and just hitting the floor and lifting those weights that helped me with my anxiety. And of course, I agree with you, herbal treatments and bubble baths and seeing my friends I think the biggest thing for me, especially um, with how the year has been, is the fact that I got a dog um, this year, and he's been part of my self-care. Like, that's my little broke bestie. I have two, not dogs. (laughs) But I think those are my tools. self-care yeah it's funny because I mean you have a dog and that is such a great you know a pet a companion um I have two children and that's definitely helped me yes they leave a couple days of the week but um that's that's really what's always kept me grounded as a little Mm -hmm. girl there's nothing I wanted more than being a mom I mean I played dolls I played Barbies I, I just always always wanted it and I became a mom younger than some but no part of me was upset about that like I I, I just could not wait to be a mom um and so I find that when I just channel into them and I am present and enjoy the things they're enjoying Mm -hmm. um I feel better and I think that's a part of why my relationship failed was like I'm in this relationship that's not great now there's been an affair and then so my what so much of my anxiety came from that so then you have two choices at this point at this point that you know to accept it and move on and and that sounds like easy right accept it and move on no (laughs) but you accept it and you freaking trench through those emotions Mm -hmm. of accepting it and knowing you're now going to do life with somebody that's done this that's done this and you feel betrayed and ostracized and but you have kids right so you're you're torn between do I stay for my kids and give them this good life this good childhood that I have although I feel broken on the inside or do I leave break up this home this family while still feeling broken on the inside right so you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't in one way your children get both parents which is ideal in a financial sense, in an emotional sense, in mm-hmm. a physical sense. And in the other, your children don't. And you don't. You don't have the partner. Mm-hmm. You do, but you don't. I mean, you co-parent as much as you will. But I got to a point where I felt like if I'm doing all of this by myself, I was wearing all the hats. I was cooking. I was cleaning. I was doing laundry. I was 
shuttling kids to from it's like I'm doing so much by my freaking self already (laughs) I can just do it for myself Mm -hmm. and I would have never I would have never had the freedom I know this sounds crazy and this was no I mean the nights of sleep I lost thinking about what holidays would look like what birthdays would look like what Mm -hmm. finances would look like I, I all the anxiety I gave that I would have never I love my life I'd never change a single thing about my life. I'm so blessed. I love my life. I get this freedom two days a week. I started this podcast. (laughs) I have a business. I work. I finish degrees. But I never knew I would. None of that seemed even remotely possible in the anxiety and depression I was feeling. Now I'm like, what? This is 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 the only place I'd want (laughs) to be. And it took some of the darkest days Mm -hmm. to get here. So I don't know. It's so true because I think you do this too you catastrophize and I know a lot of my anxiety comes from that too like thinking something awful is going to happen and the what ifs of the world so part of that self-care being like mindful and living in the present day and today's the only thing that matters yesterday's gone like we can only live in the moment is super helpful but sometimes you have to go through the shit to get to the other side yeah oh absolutely I mean and that's the biggest thing that I think got me through gets me through and has kept me super positive I'd say I went through that deep dark rabbit hole that is depression Mm -hmm. say five years ago and although I've maybe slipped a foot in it because of life and the way of the world I've never gone down it again Mm -hmm. because I've gotten these tools I've learned these lessons I've seen what five years can do I've seen what a whole life change can do and I'm so about living in the present I mean these are the good old days there's a song it's by Macklemore but I love it because these are the good old days like yes it's a pandemic but you look back five years and you're not going to realize all that was good Like, wow, that was so funny. I loved how much I painted that year with Mm -hmm. my kids. Wow, that was so funny. We actually made a point to Zoom call one another every Sunday. You know, things that you would have maybe never thought to do, but you're doing them. And eventually they'll fade and you're not doing them anymore. And then you look back at, wow, damn. And just that chasing euphoria got me just living every day like it's the best day because it is. There's going to be a point in life where you look back and you you may love where you are, but you kind of miss where you were. Mm -hmm. I just love where I am every single day. I love this age my kids are. And I feel like I've thoroughly enjoyed the age they were every day they've for years now. And if I didn't go through that such a dark time, but... Living in the present, it's so important. We do. We totally do. You know, everything's a catastrophe. Right. (laughs) It could be terrible tomorrow, but I'm not thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, everything's a catastrophe, and then you get through it. Yeah, and I think for for us, a lot of people, this year sucks. It's very easy to look at it and be like, this year sucks. But I think lately we've been trying to find the good within this very sucky year and know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that it is going to get better, but... We're going through the shit right now. Right. And we're all going through the shit. Like there's not, I mean, yes, it looks different on everybody, but this is not an easy time for anybody. So if you're having a death, you're going through an affair, you're going through divorce, you're, geez, all the things, you're losing jobs or, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with issues with kids, like you're doing that on top of a pandemic. You were going to do most of of those things anyway, but now on top of a pandemic. So be Mm -hmm. kind to yourselves. Your feelings are your feelings and your feelings are always valid. 
That right. is something my therapist says to me. And it's I say it to everybody. Like, everybody's going to have your shit. My shit looks different than Gina's shit, but it's still my shit. Right. <laughs> you know? So definitely, like you said, be kind to yourself. Don't beat on yourself. And definitely yeah. find some resources to help you. They are out there. Um, there are free resources, Headspace, Talkspace, even your employer. There might be um, an EAP, that's Employer Assistance Program, out there that might cover you speaking with a therapist. But don't hesitate. Don't feel alone. No, abs- absolutely. Find them. Find them. I mean, friends and family are great, but they are biased to a certain extent. And it's not even out of selfishness. Sometimes they just love you so much. Mm -hmm. They think they're giving you the best advice, Um, but you need to, man, do the work. Do the work. (laughs) To have the integrity for someone to just look at you and, I mean, there's nothing better than just looking assertive and confident. And it's very easy to tell a person that isn't, that's Mm -hmm. struggling, that's anxious, that's depressed. It's very attractive to to be of sound mental state, but to have mental health, I think it's so attractive. Um, It's sexy. It's so sexy. Going to therapy is sexy. Going to therapy is sexy. (laughs) No, but it is. I mean, know your shit, own your shit, and don't sit on your shit for too long before realizing it's a problem or you need Mm -hmm. to do better or you're literally exhausted. You can't eat, you can't sleep. Um, Don't don't get there when you get there that is time to talk to somebody more than your mom or your best friend and your best friend's got bullshit too so it's hard sometimes when you're trying to play therapist for somebody that then begins to not be helping themselves enough and it's like listen 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 I love you but go to therapy right like (laughs) you know I want to help you but it gets to that definition of insanity we're talking about the same shit, but you haven't changed anything. I can't really help you if you're not going to help yourself. Help yourself. So yeah, like she said, there's resources out there. Do a quick Google search. You could ask your primary care. I'm sure they could refer somebody covered through your network. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's services out there. Know your shit, own your shit. Go through your shit. Get on that couch. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Bish Please. New episodes premiere every Sunday. Don't forget to like and subscribe.